Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Howdy crew, welcome along to episode 107 of the Howie Games Part A. I hope you are having a cracking day wherever you're tuning in. By the way, we have just dropped edition two of the Howie Games hotline in the podcast feed where you can send in audio questions and I'll do my best to answer them about the podcast, about sports commentary, about anything really. Let's be honest, we're not fussy. Have a listen, see what you reckon and get involved with the hotline number on the podcast description. Okay, you tell me you want more rugby league guests. You want league, you get league this week with Valentine Holmes, a man that gets it done. Valentine Holmes waits, ready to pull the trigger. Valentine Holmes wins it for the Cowboys. In just his third NRL season, Valentine won the premiership with the Sharks. It was a massive drought breaker. In his fourth, he was representing Australia with the Kangaroos and lit up State of Origin with a three-try performance in the 2017 decider. So you search and try to find, but you don't know where to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind. You're confused and want to know Mystery, what is to be So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You will find out by and by Then, at the end of just his fifth season as one of the game's biggest stars, Val walked away from the NRL to chase an even bigger dream in the NFL. Now that is a courageous decision. And the return man, this is a nice switch. Holmes. It will be Valentine Holmes. Okay, I'm excited for this. Rugby star. Let's see how he handles this. This chat follows Valentine's journey, which now has him back in the NRL at the Cowboys. It tells the story of a man that was a big, big fish in a pretty big pond, it must be said, being prepared to risk it all, becoming the smallest, the tiniest of tiny fish in the biggest of ponds, the NFL. I love this type of stuff. How could you not? A man who was prepared to put it all on the line to chase his dreams, no matter the end result. Valentine Holmes is a man that has a real crack. So many lost and left behind And no one seemed to care Those who should seems like they're blind Pretending they're not there Can't they see they hold the key Could make things better if they try Oh my Jaja, tell me why Won't they open up their eyes Hopefully Val gets another Queensland origin jersey in November Yeah, November, weird world in which we live The entire 2020 State of Origin series we played on three consecutive Wednesdays, kicking off on November 4. The Blues aiming for a three-peat, four decades of pride colliding over three weeks. Bang! Okay, if you like to dream big, you are going to love the story of Valentine Holmes. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind you see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I. Come on children, try it with me We want to reach Mount Zion Valentine Holmes, only our second rugby league guest on the show and I get smashed all the time for not getting more rugby league athletes on and often your name comes up so I'm pumped to have a chat with you on the show. How are you going mate? Good, thanks for having me. It's uh, obviously I know that you've had quite a few high-profile players, so uh, thanks for inviting me on. And uh, yeah, good to be here. 
I'm pumped you're here. What are you generally like talking about yourself? Is this going to be easy for me or is this going to be hard for me? How, how does Val go talking about Val? Uh, depends what you ask. I mean, some would say I love talking about myself. Some would say I'm <laughs> a bit reserved or a bit quiet, but um, yeah, I guess we'll see. <laughs> Mate, before we get to you, can you tell me a little bit about your family history and where your mum and dad are from? Uh, so my mum was born in Cook Islands. Um, she lived there for until she was only young, maybe 10, 11, 12, and then she moved to New Zealand, uh, did the rest of their schooling. My dad was born in New Zealand, um, just near Auckland. Uh, I got three brothers, one sister. Um, the two oldest were born in New Zealand and they uh, had moved over to here in Townsville. Uh, and the last three were born here in Townsville. And yeah, I mean, we go back uh, every now and then to visit family and stuff. But yeah, mum and dad have been here uh, since my, oldest, my second oldest brother is 28, so yeah, 28 years. And if you had to say, Val, that you took one thing from your mother and one thing from your father that you've tried to implement in your life, what would those qualities or views or the way they treat people or the way they view life, what would that be for each of your mum and dad, do you think, mate? Uh, I would say I have the traits like my dad. Uh, you know, he's pretty reserved, pretty quiet, um, doesn't really uh, do do loves sport, loves watching rugby, rugby league. Um but yeah, a lot of people say, like my dad, I'm not really, you know, too loud or anything like that. And he's pretty quiet. He's a, someone who always says yes. I remember when I was a kid, if I always asked for change for the bus or some money for a tuck shop, he'd always, he'd never say no, always, you know, look to give, which is um, something I feel like I do a lot of um, now. And my mum, probably her, uh, she was always the one that was hard on us hard and nice boys you know she would do all the if we got in trouble she would do all the things for us getting hit when we were young so um, I know I guess her stigma of you know still being a tough tough boy when I need to be and uh, respectable uh, using your manners you know she always gets up from me if I don't use my manners or the way I talk on the phone and stuff like that but yeah you, you mentioned your dad would always be giving you some money for lunch or etc. and you've tried to give now. In what areas are you trying to give back? Yeah, um, you know, I try and do uh, stuff, you know, around the community as well, um, where I can if, you know, if a gig comes up um, at a school or someone wanted me to come in to talk to kids or to literally do anything, um, usually I'll, if I'm free and I don't have training, um, you know, I'll go and, you know, it's only an hour out of my day uh, which you know obviously I was once that kid that would put in a, I'd love to see a footy player come by and say some words and uh, to be able to be put in that opportunity and that position to kind of do that to share my thoughts with kids and what, what I go through how I train and stuff like that is, is pretty cool and uh, and yeah with my family I have about you know my family as well uh, hence why I came back I wanted to see them more and uh, be around them more as obviously my mum and dad are getting older. Uh, my sister's Down syndrome, so uh, I've come to help her as, as much as I could. And yeah, it's um, trying to keep busy outside of footy. A couple of things to ask you about from what you just said. 
How do you feel in that position as a role model, mate, when you might go into schools and I've been told you spend a lot of time with kids and they look up to you and they've got stars in their eyes and it's like, wow, this is Valentine. I see him on the telly. He's out there. How does it make you feel and what type of message do you try and deliver to young people? Yeah, uh, it makes me, you know, obviously it's uh, pretty, I feel pretty proud uh, to be in a position like that and uh, it's humbling uh, to be able to be a, a role model for, for young you know, kids, boys and girls, you know, I get a lot of messages on my Facebooks or Instagrams and stuff and even to give out birthday messages or to say hello or to reply back or to like a message, you know, anything like that goes a long way uh, to a little kid. um, But yeah, like I said, I'm just pretty, you know, happy to be in a position like this where I can do stuff like that, you know, it literally doesn't take much out of my day to do that and uh, if it makes someone someone happier outside and younger and to even, you know, look up to maybe one day play in the rugby league or in the, in the NRL or to do something like that, it's uh, awesome to see. You mentioned your sister April. Do you mind me asking you about her? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about her journey. You mentioned she was Down syndrome and what view that has given you and your family on the world. Yeah, uh, she is one year older than me. Uh, yeah, it's obviously probably been harder on mum and dad uh, especially as kids growing up. She's uh, obviously a lot better now. She she still lives with my mum and dad, but she's, uh, you know, obviously can look after herself and do all those kinds of things now. And um, But um, I'd imagine it would have been tough on them as well. You know, kids growing up, she had to go to a, a special school um, for Down syndrome yep. kids. And, um, but, yeah, obviously the, the government helps out with stuff like that, which, which is cool and... Uh, but yeah, I've you know I've always loved. She's always come to my games every, you know, when I was playing as a kid in Townsville, or when I was playing for Sharks, coming up to the versus Cowboys, she would always you know be there with my dad, watching, and she comes to my games now. Uh, when I play, obviously I haven't played in a few weeks, but yeah, if we want to start playing again, she'll come out. She's a pretty big supporter of myself, and uh, yeah, that's why I want to try and help her out and support her whenever she needs. How have you? How has her situation shape your view on the world and the way you approach different peoples, different minorities, different people with challenges in life? Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously I always, uh, you know, when we do hospital visits or anything like that or if we even go to um, special needs schools or anything, I always obviously hits me a bit more just because of my sister and uh, what she's like. So that's why I always like to try and help out, um, you know, no matter if you're, normal or if you've got a disability or, or, or whatever the case is but yeah she's obviously made me I feel like she's made me who I am today you know I always think of her uh, when I'm playing and I try and make her proud as well as you know all my family and, and friends but um, she's definitely you know been a big part of where I have been. In what way do you try and think about her when you're playing? Um, just so because I know she'd be watching you know everything on TV uh, with my dad so you know, whenever I usually come on TV, she gets excited and, and would scream at the TV or yell out to my dad that I'm on or uh, stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's obviously pretty cool and you know, she doesn't know too much about about normal life. So when she uh, sees me playing or anything like that, she knows, uh, well, I know that she's having fun. She likes seeing me and, uh, yeah, that's why I, I try to, you know, do as much as I can to help her out and take her out to activities you know, now that she's finished school, so uh, she doesn't really do too much. But, um, yeah, I try and 
try and help out wherever I can. Mate, from the outside, you know, you're a big, strong, tough athlete in the prime of your life and you're playing an elite sport and you, you will get to the NFL, etc. But what is it actually like when you walk in and stop being a rugby league player and you're a bloke who is walking into hospital visits with small children and youngsters? How do you approach that? That must be a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you think of it as, like I said, like we're in that position where we can make uh, kids, uh, whether they're, they've had something wrong with them or they're in um, hospital, or, um, you know, just to make them smile again, you know, make their day. Um, I just always think, like if I was like a normal person just wouldn't do that, wouldn't go to hospital to say hello because no. they're just obviously they're just a regular uh, old Joe. But, yeah, just to be able to have this privilege, you know, you got the likes of Michael Morgan, Jason Tomalolo and this team and, you know, They've been legends up here for a while, Jonathan Thurston. So he still does does a lot of stuff for the community, and you know, I'm sure all the kids would would love seeing those guys. But uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, I just mean I I enjoy um, doing anything, you know, for the community. I try and I'm trying to do something with my old junior club uh, here. So hopefully it's just a bit hard with everything that's going on at the moment. You know, we're in a bit of a restriction, but yeah, eventually I can. Uh, near future I want to try and do something with my junior club and you know try and really do something here in Townsville and uh, it's something I've always wanted to try and give back now that I feel like I can. What are you thinking with your club what's the grand vision? Uh, well there's a few things you know tossed up between my management and I and uh, there's like a few carnivals that happen you know there's a Golden Talis Cup there's a Loris Beaner Cup uh, you know I wouldn't mind having a uh, like a competition or something um with, I don't know if it's named after me or just uh, something to do with me. Maybe I go to the day um, or the weekend of a competition and, you know, just be cool to kind of do something like that where it involves, you know, the club I played with as well as, you know, every club in uh, Townsville and maybe do like a suicide awareness uh, competition thing, you know, for maybe under 17, 16. So it's been pretty bad up in Townsville the past few years. So, um, yeah, that's what we've been tossing up, but... Obviously, nothing set in stone, but it'd be cool to try and do some of that. Mate, sorry, we've got a bit sidetracked here, and um, I said to you at the start, I often know my guests, but we don't know each other, so I, I only know you from what I see on the rugby league field, and yeah. we've sort of gone down this path because you're such a big, tough, strong athlete, but um, you sound like quite a soft-hearted man who's very aware of his community around him, which immediately um, really draws me to you and what you're talking about, to be honest, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, once I step on the field at training or uh, in a game I'm pretty you know I'm still not I don't go out to try and fight anyone or to bully anyone or anything like that on the field but yeah I'm probably a bit different uh, you know I'm real focused I just want to win um, that's one probably I don't know if it's a good or a bad trait but I'm very 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 competitive you know in anything I do literally like my missus sometimes hates it because I get too competitive in things but that's just my nature and uh, but yeah anything like this we would talk about uh, you know kids or the community or just helping out where where I can and uh, yeah it's just totally different give me an example of something your missus as you called her gets annoyed that you're competitive about uh, I've got a few but just recently I don't know if you know the game Cornhole no um, so it's it's pretty big in America and I played it a bit when I was there uh, she got that for me for my birthday and we've had it for a week now and 
sometimes we just play down in the backyard and so it's just this, you have like a like a sandbag or a beanbag type thing and you got to throw it in each end into a hole oh, yeah. on a yeah, board. Yeah, 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 I got you, I got you. And obviously um, I'm more of the athlete type. I mean, she is very fit. She's a PT and stuff like that and um, she works out. But just and stuff like that, like I always beat her in that and I get pretty competitive. I'll be yelling in her face and uh, <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> only because, you know, I try, I'm trying to make her better as well as you know, give it to her. <laughs> Mate, we've talked about kids a lot. Um, frequent listeners know on this show that I have two children that I always tell about my guest and then they ask a question. It's completely up to them what they want to ask. So um, they're asking me about you and I was showing them some of my highlights. So the first question you get when we start your journey is from my daughter, whose name is Sky, as you're about to hear, but she's got a nickname as well. Hopefully you can hear. Yep. Val, this is uh, my 10-year-old's question for you. Valentine Sky here. I really like na- my name, but my nickname is even cooler, the Pickle. I really like your name. It's super cool. Is there any reason why your mum and dad gave it to you? The first thing when I, she said, what's this guy's name? I said, Valentine Holmes. And she, I, without a word of a lie, Val, she said, wow, that is the most beautiful name I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, thank you, Sky. Um, yeah, there is a uh, reason. Uh, so my dad's uncle... Uh, his name was Valentine, uh, Valentine Holmes. And I don't know if it's legit, but when I was a kid, because I asked why I was named that, because I knew I wasn't born on Valentine's Day, so I knew it couldn't have been that, um, which a lot of people think. And he said, um, you know, he was the greatest boxer in New Zealand at his time. So uh, I don't know if that he wanted me to be a boxer or anything, but... Um, yeah, all of us boys are named after his, uh, either his brothers or his uncles. Great story. All right, let's start with your journey, mate. When did you first come across the game of rugby league? Like, what's the first game you can remember playing? How old were you, mate? Yeah, I started playing rugby league when I was nine, so under nines. Uh, I just pretty much got into it because my brother was playing. We used to go and watch him play. All I did when I was younger was just little athletics. Uh, and I don't think mum and dad wanted me playing uh, too young. But, yeah, I started under nines. I don't remember my very first game, but, you know, I remember playing. It was Upper Ross Rams I used to play for, they're called. Um, what were they called? Upper Ross Rams. What colour is a jumper, the jersey? Uh, they're green and white. Okay. yellow. Yep. Um, I was only there for one year. Um, but we, we actually had a pretty good team. We weren't like the... You know, there's obviously brothers that are very good. They've always been uh, pretty good up here. Um, the team that I went to the next year were also very good. But um, uh, I could remember I had probably like three friends in that team at the time. And all I remember really is uh, I think I dropped the ball on my very first run. Yeah, and I remember s- scoring a try. But that we ended up getting flogged. It was against brothers, but yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't my greatest greatest year actually at the Rams, but you know, eventually uh, we had a pretty good. When I went to Western Lions, my junior club, which I played the rest of my junior there, we were undefeated for about three or four years, so that was uh, pretty cool. And were you? This is no time for for modesty, Val. If it's required or not, were you one of those kids once you get to sort of under elevens, under twelves, under thirteens? 
I see my kids growing up now and they're like, oh, Dad, we're playing against this guy in footy and he's kicked this many goals last week or he made this many runs or she's the gun netballer. Were you the kid the other kids were fearful of due to your performances or it didn't come to you immediately like that? Uh, no, because, I mean, like, I wasn't. Like, we, that's why we were under so long because we had, we had a girl that played in our team and she was legit, like, not joking, she was probably our best player. Her name was Cassie. She was, like, our front row. She was tall tough like she was probably our best player so they hated going against her and we had two other guys that used to always make reps I never used to make rep footy uh, when I was younger so it took me a while to because Townsville's got a lot of uh, you know great junior development here and which is good uh, it was always got a tough competition um, as we're getting through high school and stuff but no I wasn't that player maybe when I got to high school and, and stuff like that I, I maybe would have been but no not as a junior Okay, so when you when you were playing rugby league as a young bloke, what was your hopes and dreams? Was it to be a rugby league player or did you have other dreams? Like how were you going at school? Where, where was life going for you, mate? Yeah, um, no, I I wanted to be a rugby league player. I wanted to play for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, I used to go to every home game um, when the Cowboys played up there. Like I said, I love watching Matty Bowen, Matty Singh, those guys running around JT. Uh, you know, it was, it was awesome to, you know, it was always play footy out on the stadium there's always like a grass bit around the stadium at the Cowboys and hmm. we'd always play footy there with the, uh, my friends and that was pretty much my only focus and, and dream I didn't really you know aspire to be anything else literally like I just wanted to play rugby league and how were you tracking at school uh, yes yeah, so I went to a school called Cohen High it's there's two big schools in Townsville Cohen High and Ignatius Park um, I wasn't really great uh, on the book side you know I still passed and, and stuff like that but I would, wasn't my best subjects uh, you know PE and anything that had to do with sport I was getting A's, A's in anything else I'd, I'd be just scraping a, a pass um, but yeah when I went to Ignatius Park in year 11 uh, year 12 um, that's where I feel like I probably played my best footy and that's where I got noticed by Cronulla Sharks um, in a couple other teams and that's where I picked up my manager as well when I was um, you know playing school footy so that last year really um, put me pretty much where I am today and obviously uh, when I went down to Cronulla I still had to you know train hard and still make teams and stuff like that but yeah I think when I went to Iggy that uh, really had a good stepping stone for me you know Cowboys weren't at the time interested because I had another guy the same age in the same position so it was um a bit hard for them to keep both of us. So, um, yeah, one of us had to leave. Back to Val in a moment. Next up on the show, we are rolling out one of the greatest bowlers of all time. The man known as the Sultan of Swing, the great Wazim Akram. What about that? Woof! Was tells some truly amazing stories about being plucked from obscurity and thrown straight into international cricket, dealing with heartbreaking loss, winning a World Cup and so much more. He is a very funny dude, is Wazim, who is now married to an Australian, which has caused him a few issues following the lingo. My father-in-law came to see me in Sydney and I have a very small room. And he said, you can't even swing a cat here. And I said, okay, how can you find a cat and then bring a cat to Maroon and then swing it. So, you know, all those things. 
Was his player profile is up next Thursday. His full episode drops October 8. Lock it in the calendar. Alrighty, back to Val. So how do you... I'm obviously a lot more familiar with the AFL world, which is my ignorance. It's not your problem. How does it work that you end up at the Cronulla Sharks? Yeah, a lot of people ask that actually because it's not like the AFL where no. you get drafted. Uh, is it out of school they get drafted? Or Yeah, out of school, yep. At, at that yep. exact age you're talking about now, at age 18, 17, 18. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I guess we just – there's like uh, smaller competitions like when you're 16 and 18 that are kind of rep as well so you still got to make your region so there was a Townsville Stingers team uh, which I had made in the last year uh, which which helped you play you know you play teams in Brisbane Cairns so that's a bigger broad you play and we won it that year so we're the best in Queensland which helped Um, but my manager he had connections at Sharks in the development 20s and uh, under 18s size like that and they said we've got this young guy that's looking to play fullback, centre wing, and um, would you guys, you know, I don't know exactly how it went, but uh, end up getting just a junior uh, development contract down there for, I left when I was graduated, so 18, 19, two years, and I uh, played SG ball down there, which is the under-18s Cronulla Sharks uh, team. Uh, uh, yeah, we didn't win the comp, but we played well. We made the finals, played pretty well. And then literally the next week, the 20s called me up and you know just kind of I just kept progressing and progressing and the coaches uh, were liking what they were seeing they put me into full-time uh, pre-season training which then when I was uh, 19 20 I was obviously a dream come true you know I got to train with the likes of Paul Gallen uh, Wade Graham Luke Lewis and to see those guys uh, right next to me as felt like as my teammates was pretty cool and that made me you know, want to train hard and to be there with them every day rather than just in pre-season uh, a couple of days a week. What was the physical step up like from being an 18-year-old, 19-year-old coming up to all of a sudden doing an NRL pre-season? How physically demanding was it? Yeah, like physically, uh, contact-wise, it was it was another level. Running-wise, uh, it was okay. You know, I, you know, tried to pride myself on running and, uh, you know, trying to be fit and being at the front uh, at all times. So running, doing their running drills, they were pretty pleased with how I went considering, you know, I was only 19, 20 and they were going up against men and I was staying with them. But obviously physically I was probably 87 kilos. Uh, so that was the challenge for me and I found it hard to put on weight at that age. It was pretty hard for me to keep weight on. So, uh, but yeah, that, obviously training there, lifting weights with them and, you know, uh, take protein shakes and eating what they eat obviously made me a bit you know more stronger bigger more wiser got to learn from them and see what they how they prepare for games and I got to talk to all those guys about all that stuff and that was pretty cool a couple of things on that so to put on weight what did you have to hoe into Val like to compete with the big boys what were you all of a sudden having to increase your calorie intake to yeah so after every gym session or field session I had to uh drink protein with full cream milk uh, you know some guys obviously the forwards that are watching their weight might do it with water and WPR but I was taking Nitrovolt where it's like a lot of carbs pretty much carbs protein um, and that pretty much helped obviously I try and eat a lot as well I did love food so I loved eating a lot but I have a fast metabolism which uh, didn't help so yeah 
Um, but yeah, I'd say the protein shakes and food <laughs> wasn't always healthy food. Probably was takeout sometimes, but uh, because we ran a lot in preseason, it you know you kind of turn that into muscle eventually. And how was it as a as a young bloke leaving North Queensland, your home, your family, and your friends? How was that journey to Sydney and the big smoke and trying to make it as a professional athlete? What were the challenges along the way doing that, mate? Yeah, it was pretty tough. Uh, you know, I had my girlfriend at the time as well. and uh, But, yeah, was, I literally had nothing else going for me. I would have either stayed and uh, probably played club footy and hopefully maybe the next year signed with the Cowboys, hopefully. But uh, that's what I mean. Like, I didn't really do anything where like I didn't do a pathway that would have led me to university I did the other way Uh, yep so I was just really focused on footy at the time and um, that's what I thought it was my only uh, opportunity and chance to really make it and give it a crack and worst comes worst I go down for two years and come back and it still would have been fun but uh, yeah another thing my dad always said is that you know he thought here I was the big fish in a little pond in Townsville and when I moved to Sydney I would have had to start all over again and build my way up and be a small fish in a big pond down there and and then obviously when I made my debut he called me and pretty much said that same thing so he kind of knew when I was slowly making it and uh, and made my NRL debut he was you know obviously really excited for me that I just stuck out. Did you have any doubts along the way in that journey? We'll get to your debut in a minute but did you have any doubts along the way? Um, I didn't have doubts uh, in my ability to make it. I just I was getting homesick after the first year, um, where I missed my mates, uh, missed my girlfriend, my family, and I wanted to come home. And I was literally like so close to coming home. I had my bags packed uh, at the front door. Did uh, you? And then my manager, because I had told him that I was leaving, and he lived up. He lived in Sydney, but I was up the coast, and he just came straight down, gave me a pair of Benny Barber's boots, um, signed pair, and I was like, he said, you can have these if you stay for another year. <laughs> and I was like, all right, sweet. Um, so, yeah, I pretty much have him to thank because he told me to, you know, give it another year, your workout for you, and then I ended up playing 20s, uh, like I was saying. But when I was playing SU ball in my first year there, uh, yeah, I was getting pretty homesick and just wanted to go home and be comfortable, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I stuck it out for that another year. And then my brother, my oldest brother and his wife had moved down to help me out because they knew I was doing it tough. So uh, they moved down and I lived with them and yeah, pretty much had to thank them as well because they pretty much kept me down there as well as my manager. But yeah, a lot of people would thank as to why I am where I am. So we get to round 21 of the 2014 NRL season. The Cronulla Sharks, who haven't won a premiership for nearly 50 years, they're taking on Parramatta. The scoreline leads 32-12. So it wasn't a good day for the team, but this is the time that Valentine Holmes made his NRL debut. And from what I read, mate, it was a late call-up. Yeah, yeah, I think I found out on the captain's run or the day before captain's run. So captain's run is literally the last session of the week. So you have captain and then you play the next day. So I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but it probably was a good thing because I didn't have all week to, you know, stress about it or get nervous or not sleep at night. So um, someone got injured, did they? Yeah. Uh, so Sasai Feki, 
uh, our winger got injured, uh, hurt his foot at training, um, and that opened a, a spot for me. So, uh, but yeah, obviously it wasn't the best game. There was probably two or three opportunities where I probably could have scored, where I had just missed them. Uh, but yeah, I mean it was it was still a memorable moment. It's two o'clock. I think it was a two o'clock game in the Arvo, Sunday Arv, Sharp Park, it was packed. All my mates were there and, the, and all my 20s mates were there watching in the crowd and stands. The Sharks seemed dead in the water, but they bounced back to life with this effort from long range. He gets away from one, Valentine Holmes, Jeff Robson in support, that is brilliant, here come the Sharks. Uh, it was still awesome to play, I got to play against Jared Hayne. You know, he was a fullback on the other side, so that was pretty cool. And there goes Hayne, and Hayne skips away from one. Jared Hayne, he's got support in two players from Parramatta. Gagan's coming, but you couldn't think he could get him. Surely Gagan, what a tackle, but he gets away, and Hayne, he toyed with him. Yeah, he destroyed us that game, actually. And how did, how did you go about that? Like looking around at your teammates, you mentioned Paul Gallon, all of a sudden you're playing with these guys and then you look across and on the other side of the field is Jared Hayne. Like how did you go mentally making that shift that, okay, I've now achieved this level, I have to play and succeed at it? Yeah, um, I just, you know, I was just, I would just treat it as, as if I was playing 20s or some of that. I would, to myself, I would say, you're obviously here for a reason, so... You can play, just go play your normal game. Don't worry about, you know, who's out there, how big they are or how fast they are. Um, you've been called up. Like, I always try and talk to myself to G myself up. But, yeah, I always would just tell myself I'm make myself more confident within, you know, myself. And uh, pretty much I do that every game, saying that I'm the best that I've ever been and before I play. And usually that gives me more confidence to try new things or to play well or whatever it is and everyone has their own little tactics some guys are uh, pretty reserved and have you know uh, what is that word they do certain things before a game superstitions yep Um, but yeah that was one thing I always would say to myself just to cheer myself up so what is your message take me into the sheds pre-game you're at this stage where you're pumping yourself up what are you saying to yourself though yeah I'm just saying I know you're you're the best player out there you know you know, you got good hands. You can score a try. That's I think that year as well when I was playing twenties, I had scored a fair few tries, so I was uh, pretty confident in myself that I could, you know, find a try line. But uh, obviously, it wasn't to be that game. But yeah, it was uh, still a pretty good game. I thought I had a few good carries. Uh, I remember passing, setting up Jeff Robson for a try. Uh, at the time, it was a pretty close game. I think that maybe. It was 18-6, so then we had scored under the post and it was 18-12, and, uh, but then they kind of ran away with it. But, yeah, you know, stuff like that, really. I just try and make myself feel better, saying that I'm good, whether even if I had played a bad game the week before or, or whatever. Can you remember your first try? Yes. It Melbourne was Storm? Against Melbourne, yes. It was a block play off our back row. Uh, two posts up longer. Uh, yeah, he just threw it over the top. The dummy to the left hand side. Two posts up one and a home. And Valentine Holmes will get his first try in the NRL. Millimetres. To score my first try against Melbourne when they had Slater, Cooper Cole, and Smithy playing another game, we got flogged, but uh, that was pretty cool to score against them. <laughs> Mate, take me through the 2016 
year of the Sharks. For those that don't know the history of the game, they've been in the competition, never won a premiership, sort of 50 years. You played 23 games that year, 19 tries, the Sharks' highest scorer. Uh, got over the top of the storm 14-12 in a classic grand final in front of nearly 84,000 people. Before we get to what it meant to the people of Cronulla, what was your memories of running out on grand final day and achieving the ultimate? And there's a young bloke from North Queensland who, in the space of a couple of years we're talking now, three years all of a sudden playing in a premiership team. Yeah. Yeah, it all happened so uh, so quick. That year was was so fun. I don't know if you have the stats there, but I'm pretty sure we won like 15 games in a row. Yep. It was the 15th straight win for the Sharks, the 36-4. Which, uh, you know, in any sport, that alone is pretty tough to do. So we were obviously on the high. We had a pretty good team. We had belief in each other. Um, and we knew that, you know, we knew that we could make a good run for, you know, the Premiership this year was uh, our 50th year. You know, everything kind of just seemed like it was for us, for the taking and... Yeah, but running out in the grand final, because we had to warm up inside, so we literally hadn't been out outside at not once all night until we ran out for the first time. Listen to this roar now. Who's it going to be? Melbourne in their 500th game or Cronulla after 50 years? Of premiership starvation. Yeah, it was chockers, 84, 85,000. All I remember is just seeing a sea of blue and then, like, just a corner patch of purple. And then I knew from then, I was like, yeah, we got this. Like, I was pretty confident. Me and Bertie were pretty confident in ourselves. And uh, we just knew, yeah, we got this. If the crowd, the fans will help us win this, and um, it'll be our very first. So, Gallon, oh, scrum base play, but. You know, we get, get a ring, you know, get the trophy, very first premiership was pretty special night. It was an awesome game too. Uh, for anyone who watched it, especially Sharks fans and Tragics, uh, they would have been dying and killing themselves at the end of the game because it was like 30 seconds ago and they almost had the chance uh, to win it. They're about two metres into enemy territory. It's gone away there for Kronk to give it out wide. Here's Korobedi. He's got them turning around. It's now with Vunavalu. Vunavalu, the season's top try scorer, got the ball away. Bromwich to Smith. Smith to Hampton. Hampton, can he find a gap? He gets the ball away. It's back to Smith. Smith gets it away to Kronk. Kronk's got Korobedi with it. Have they got a chance here? Korobedi's put down. The siren sounds. Cronulla have won it. Cronulla have won it. 14 to 12. You can turn the light out now. We did well, you know, to keep Melbourne Storm to mm. 12 points in a game like that. It's uh, obviously goes to show we and we were the massive underdogs. I literally remember watching. I think the Dally M's was on TV the Wednesday of that week, and uh, I don't know Vossi or some guys were. They always ask uh, some of the players like who they think is going to win the grand final, and not not one person said uh, Sharks. Uh, well, which you know we uh, probably knew it was coming, even though we played well all year. But Melbourne were a pretty good team at the time, and 
um, everyone had backed them. So I've always loved going into games as an underdog, you know, less pressure on yourself. And I feel like it worked worked out on us. A lot of a lot of guys, a lot of teams were probably surprised that we had won, but you know, we we knew we had it in us, and yeah, it was awesome, awesome win. Do you ever whack the big ring on and just sort of cruise around the house and show your wife <laughs> or show your friends and say, "I'm the man"? <laughs> uh, no, it actually doesn't fit on my fingers <laughs> because I've charted a few of them and it only used to fit on my pinky. Um, but I literally every probably almost once a week or fortnight, I always just look at it, you know, as for aspiration to try and win another one. Uh, you know, you see guys like Tom Brady, Michael Jordan win five, six. Kevin Walters has won six. And, yep. You know, it'd be pretty cool to obviously it. I mean, I'm grateful to have one, but, you know, once you have one, you want another one, then another one. And yeah, I mean, I always look at it every now and then and, you know, look at, you know, my jerseys from my grand final and stuff like that. It's uh, it's pretty cool to look back on, to just yeah. memorize on. We turn our attention to State of Origin, mate. Um, and we're talking because State of Origin is going to be in November this year for the NRL, so it's completely different. Yeah. And I hope you get there and I hope you're hit, fit and yeah. firing and ready to go. What does it mean to you to be a representative of Queensland in State of Origin football? Yeah, it, it means everything. Uh, obviously, to even just to pull on that jersey and to uh, play in that, that team, that the guys that played in that team is... They're probably all bloody uh, immortals or, or you know, close to be. You know, they're all legends of the game, and to be able to wear that jersey and uh, to play, well, hopefully, I get to play this year and put it on. But uh, yeah, it means it means everything. Magnificent atmosphere here. This is superhuman. It doesn't get any better than that. Finch takes the shot. It's got the hook. is it so important Val as a Victorian I try and understand it and I watch it every year but I can't understand why it generates such passion why does yeah. it generate such a rivalry between the two states as a player like why, why from where you sit yeah um, I think because in the rugby league uh, community New South Wales and Queensland usually grow like that's the biggest roots of uh, rugby yep. league in Australia like for example I play alongside three guys, four guys that yes. play for New South Wales and then I go against them in the middle of the year and then like you literally have hatred like they were trying to take me out it was that's what it's like like as soon as you put that jersey on it's just you're not friends you want to win that trophy you know you get so it, pretty much not, two games to do it it's not manufactured at all you use the word hatred you can go from seeing these blokes at Sharks training on Monday to yep. Sunday night wanting to absolutely destroy them yep Pretty much. And because wow. the first year I played, we actually won it that year and I was the only Queenslander uh, in that team. Um, you know, that Gal, Wado, Jack Bird, Andrew Fafita, uh, I think Matt Pryor had played, Luke Lewis, like, and they were all giving it to me. They, they were happy for me because uh, I got to play at quite a young age, which they were pleased for, but obviously, like, oh, stuff, you, well, you're not going to win another one. Like <laughs> they really were really disappointed. I think Andrew was crying because he wanted to win. 
So what is it like when you get out on the stage? You mentioned as a young bloke, uh, you came in in the second game after New South Wales had won the first game. You scored. He double pumped and went to Slaydale. That's Boyd. Oh! Queensland have dived in on the far side of the ground. Valentine home. Queensland win 18-16. So the third game is alive. And that is it. Another Houdini. Another unbelievable comeback by Queensland. Game three. V. Holmes, three tries, and I can see you smiling about it now, which is cool. The biggest stage of all, I'll use the words, you don't need to be modest. What is it like when you put in a dominant performance on the biggest stage? Oh, I don't know. You feel pretty pumped for yourself, pretty, you know, pretty confident after, especially after scoring my first try. Uh, I've really had to kind of work for it. It was like a flick pass uh, from Michael Morgan actually he flicked it on the inside to me and I had to I was had it in my right hand had to change to my left palm off Mitchell Pierce get the ball back in my right hand because I'm right dominant and to score on my bad side with my right hand and mm-hmm. staying and all that stuff Roping there for a tackle Morgan Morgan got the ball away here's a chance for Holmes Holmes got a try Holmes got one on debut and he's got another one but, yeah, obviously it helps, you know, having great players inside you. I mean, like I scored the tries, but, you know, they put me in that position to, to score them. And... Smith floats a ball. Crump puts a kick across the ground and Valentine, oh. Valentine strikes again. Yeah, I guess. I think we ran away with it in the end. It was a big kind of score. I think we got to 30 points. Mm. Here's Munster making a big run. 20 metres out, 10 metres out. Floats the ball away for home. Yeah, and then the third try was was pretty cool. It's just like a some of the boys were calling me OBJ Junior, like OBJ after it because it was like a <laughs> one hand to catch after he did his one hand to catch, which was yeah, it was pretty cool. Was, uh, I was just happy I got over the line. That's it for part A. The NFL really cranks up in part B of Val's story. Catch you there. Listener.